Man, your studio's sweet. Thanks, dude. Did you see my new uh, ab formula? I saw you post that somewhere. What is it exactly? I didn't look that closely. It's just like a rod. This is the Richard Simmons Ab Formula Video Workout Kit. Uh, hold on, let me open it up for you because Richard it is, Simmons, oh, you know the ideal male body. I don't love that so guy. In the packaging is this thing. Yeah, which I believe is supposed to go like behind the neck, so you can do like sit-ups and stuff. And then I love it also, like that. I feel like nowadays that's exactly what they tell you not to do. Oh, for sure. You like know, cranking like, your neck. I and it like, has a VHS, by the way. Oh, look at that smile. Look at that face. <laughs> <laughs> and the weird, oh, like, yeah. digital guy. Yeah, dude. Oh, yeah. The I didn't even notice that. There's, like, a blue. It's, like, the Terminator. <laughs> it's, like, T-1000 yeah. if he was blue. Um, you can see the muscles you're working on. Yeah, because you're cranking your neck down towards your stomach. Oh, and uh, the band is playing songs like We Are Family, Caribbean Queen, Freeway of Love, and How Sweet It Is to Be Loved by You. Just all these love ballads. a boy, Rich. Dude, this guy, he gets it. Oh, and I think he's the one who's singing the songs. It's hard to tell, but there's a little picture of them and the band right I'm there. I'm sure it's on, and he probably just like, he does a solo now and then. I wonder if there's oh there's like a little little instructional booklet here. Oh dude, you can stretch in the same no the combo pelvic tilt, the transverse abdominal pelvic tilt, mm, supersets. Dude, this is real fitness here. See that <laughs> I would love to just like look at a bunch of old you know, not even in just in the fitness world, like old products from like the seventies, eighties, and see how much stuff like nowadays if you looked at has been either debunked or look you look at it and be like this would damage you yeah yeah like, this why, one why would you do that who who thought that and like people probably just made like millions of dollars off of it <laughs> i would definitely say though that the writing on the back of this instructional booklet is something that you would see on like an instagram uh like fit fit inspiration it says there you're all done for today before you know it you'll have those strong toned abdominals you really want You've worked hard today, and I just want you to know how proud I am of you for making the effort to improve not only your appearance, but your health. <laughs> hey, Love are, Richard Simmons. Those are our predecessors. Dude, when yeah, are you going to start posting that on your Instagram? Before I was. <laughs> I, could, I could probably learn a thing or two. Know your history, right? That's right. You even you did your hair for me. You're like looking yeah. good. This is the first step, dude. This is the first step. Hello. New year, new me. <laughs> So, uh, congratulations on winning the open, buddy. Thanks, man. The, yeah. uh, never thought the, that what, would happen. Yeah. Was there, was there like a, was, well, you didn't even win Canada. First of all, I what know, is that? Awesome. You're I, like, I, like, I saw that coming too. Cause I think going into the last week I had like, I think he had like four points on me going into the last week. And I was like, okay, great. Cause like, even if. Even if I beat him, like Jeff's super fit and he's have was having such a good open, I was like, the odds are like I could probably beat him in the last workout based on what we have coming up, likely. But I need a bunch of other people to beat him. And I was like, I don't think anybody can step up to the plate. <laughs> I was like, honestly, like he had been crushing. Like I think if you look at his open finishes from in Canada, he took like first or second in almost every workout. 
Dude, Except the first one, I think. Um, so he just like, I was like, there's no way. Like nobody else is beating him unless it's me. So even if I beat him and no one else beats him, doesn't matter. So it was kind of funny. I like, I saw it coming before the week started. And then like, I didn't actually think that, I, I don't even remember what, I was in like fourth or fifth going into the last week. And I did that announcement live. You guys were there. Um, and then I redid it on the like Saturday with Brand. And then once I put my score up, I was like, yeah, like I actually, like I might actually win this workout, but Lazar fucking scooped me. (laughs) Dude, I told, don't you remember? I told you, I was like, someone's going to do this in sub 10. And I was like, do you remember who did the best at 19.1? Cause that was all wall balls and rowing. And you're like, it was Lazar that, that, that workout, it doesn't have anything to do with this workout. Here's the thing is the Lazar did but he he won 19.1 but he got major penaltied that's true now he basically did his wall balls the exact same way and didn't get a penalty this time they were like a little bit arbitrary with their penalties as everybody kind of knows but the problem was you know he he fully deserved to win it by the way like absolutely incredible performance especially for a guy that big with that volume of muscle ups like man he fucking smashed it but yeah he like he measured his target and then they never marked his target and i like it looks like he probably threw to like nine and a half feet almost the whole time. But either way, like that's like a that's kind of like his fault. Like had he got penalized for that, it would have been totally fair. But he didn't, and it's honestly, in my opinion, it's also totally fair. Like what he did was incredible. Um, so, but yeah, anyways, so I I ended up, and then once I did that, I was like, ah, like. I might actually like you know if the right people kind of slip this week, like I could win the open maybe. I was like, yeah, there's like, I remember coming home from something and I was sitting having dinner with my fiance and being like, you know what? It was like submission day and I'm seeing scores coming in and seeing where people are. I'm like, there's a world where I could win the open. Like there, it might happen. And we're That's like wild. kind of watching scores roll in. And then Jeff and I ended up like tied or something like that. For yeah, like yeah. You guys a, were a point like across for a while. Yeah. Yeah. A day or two or like about a day. And then somebody came in with one more score in between us. Because it was like basically once I'd submitted, I'm like, I need like three people to finish between me and Jeff and I win the open. And I was like, yeah. So like I'm like, I don't know, you know, scores roll in for like an extra day and a half. So whatever. I won't really babysit it. But yeah. And then in the end and then after penalties as well, I think Jeff got a minor penalty of some kind and a couple other people did. So um, but hey, and then here we are. Yeah, you're like uh, you're you're the first and a half the place in the world i guess i mean the losing the national championship has to do something about the overall leaderboard especially so with funny. first place people are tweaking over it too they can't figure it out <laughs> I posted about that yeah yesterday and everyone's just like wait what how like how surely you're the national champion how can you be the best in the world but not the best in your country <laughs> like, well, hey look i didn't make the rules but it like, is like, i don't know man math right and yeah, that's just how it is. Is it's like you know if you if you slip up a little bit like in one workout, like what happened for us, I think, is mostly we traded kind of first and seconds, like maybe a third here and there in the open, and then I think week two, the double under Tota Bar one, the long AMRAP, um, randomly like six Canadians like smashed it out of the park. So I put up like a top twenty. Most of my workouts in the open were like top twenty, like between fourteenth and like eighteenth was like what I finished in every workout pretty much, except for the last one. Um, but so I did like, I was the same, like I did put like an 18th place finish up, but 
normally there'd be like one or two Canadians who could beat me or none. But in that particular workout, like five Canadians beat me. And I was like, oh, wow, weird. And then for the rest of the Open, <laughs> those guys didn't show up to beat Jeff in anything. <laughs> so then he ended up with this like four-point buffer that he just held for the rest of the Open. Um, but yeah, that's like it's interesting how, you know, when you measure a certain pool ver- versus a, bif- a bigger pool or just a different pool, how it can affect placings, right? And that's just like kind of reality. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we we saw – a couple of things like that happen when it was it was still like qualifying for regionals. There'd be people who were higher on the worldwide leaderboard than they were in their own region, and it, yeah, that like happened. To, I think but... it famously happened to Dan and Rich, right? That's like right. Dan won the Open. He didn't beat Rich in Central East. Yeah. Um. So yeah, like it just when you change the pool and you don't have a bunch of guys middling and a bunch of things like that. Like obviously on a worldwide leaderboard, like everybody who's got their wheelhouse can middle people in any workout. But when you all of a sudden measure from a smaller sample size, it's like the same. If you look at that versus like even at the games, like now when we cut to 10 athletes in the past, you used to have 40 athletes where like a guy in heat one can win an event because it's in his wheelhouse. Right. But now when it's only these 10, some of those people aren't there anymore. So like it, it changes the, the scoring dynamic and it just like does sample size affects affects the scoring. Um, so it's cool. It's just like we see it in all kinds of different pockets. And I mean, it's the same as like whoever shows up to a certain event. Like you obviously you're competing against those people. So like, it doesn't matter if I go to, you know, like Brent and I go to Dubai and do well. And everyone's like, Oh, well, like Matt wasn't there. It's like, well, yeah, Matt wasn't there. So like, right. they don't, those people don't affect the scoring. So you can't be like, you can't, you can't be like worried about what other people who are never going to affect the scoring are going to do, but it does change it hundred percent. For sure. And that's an interesting point about the, the games with like the, field narrowing so much i wonder how they're going to affect you know any changes coming up for for this year's games because one of the things that i had kind of wished to see was different types of events showing up after the cut to 10 i mean you you can't kind of you can't rely on the same sort of traditional game style programming i think when you have a field of 10 because you don't have people that are going to be able to create a distance or a gap like that i mean it was almost like the the field was artificially tight this year because you know Matt couldn't make up the points because there weren't enough people between him and Noah, right? Yeah, yeah. I think that they're. I don't know. It, it always depends. Obviously, like how the events that lead into the cut are going to affect the event, the athletes that are past the cut. And so, just by that nature, you might end up with people who are stronger at certain things, and then some people who are just extremely well-rounded. Um, So I think that there was a clear split this year where you could see, you know, kind of where the well-rounded athletes stopped and then the guys who had their their specialties that got them in and then they kind of got hurt in some of the remaining events. But because of that, yeah, those those, you know, say bottom half of that top 10 even are no longer factoring in in those top three finishes. So it's just the same three or four athletes cycling top three finishes. Right. And so then the points don't change. Um, yeah. These guys slowly drop away, it would drop away, and then the other three, four guys just continue to trade punches, um, and it makes it less exciting because what you need is for like, I don't know, Matt, so and so in first place taking a seventh place finish, and so and so who is in ninth place taking a second place finish, and now the points, the whole leaderboard like erupts and it's crazy, and I think that was the intention, um, and it just like it was just fell a little bit off this year, but I think that the potential is there for that to happen. But I would say that I don't know. I, I think ten is a bit tight. I would love to see a little bit more, just because it increases the potential for the middling and 
and you know everybody's super fit there like it's nice to see more people able to show it but i think that the um to your statement about like you know having different types of events i i thought uh that you know it's cutting to 10 you could do like you can do anything you've got one heat you can effectively like the it's yeah you could program the universe the possibilities are limitless like you could custom fit athletes to things you could do anything and i was i was a little bit disappointed in the that they didn't use that at all. Like, I think even for things like the, the swim event, like there, you could have built a small rig down in that parking lot that could accommodate 20 athletes, 10 men, 10 women easily. Um, but they just like, I I thought that that would have made some of those events a lot, a lot different and more exciting stuff that we haven't seen before. Um, so anyway, I was like, I thought that that there was a lot of potential there and it wasn't really realized this year. So we'll see, hopefully there's, room for that in the future but um because it could be you know i mean if you're gonna be at 10 i like in my opinion if you're gonna be at 10 and that's what it's gonna be man you should do some like you should just do some stuff like that that's oh for real yeah you gotta take it you gotta take it to the limit you gotta take like ab formula style like just take it way too far yeah yeah. (laughs) take advantage though right because because that's i think really the cut to 10 or like to have a very small group like that's one of the major advantages that you get is opportunities open up because you don't need to like you know move a bunch of people you don't need to build a ton of stuff like if you want to custom make things or you want to create like insane off so like you could do like a um like a speed rock climbing like wall thing right like you could do all kinds of stuff that just like takes a bit of time to set up but it doesn't matter because you're not setting up for 40 people Right. For a hundred people, like you can just like throw something up quick and, uh, you can make some very extravagant and complicated, like not necessarily complicated, but like have, have some degree of complexity to them. And it would just be cool. Like, I think that there's a lot of potential still there. So it'd be cool to see if we, we, you know, we, we utilize that in some meaningful way in the future. So you didn't get a chance to do those, those final sets of workouts. This, that, this past year at the games wasn't necessarily, I would say your best performance or probably even your favorite year at the games. Just based on how it went. It wasn't my best performance. <laughs> well, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe some people measure success in a different way. I, I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe some people are looking at, at, you know, how much love there was in the air as opposed to podium <laughs> finishes, Wh- whatever. I think most of the athletes were probably not measuring it that way. I, I, I would, would hope so. Guess. I would hope so. Um, but yeah, I mean, with with sort of the revenge of the Canadians so far this season, I mean, between you and Jeff and Brent doing so well across the open and a couple different sanctionals, like, yeah. you know, what, uh, you know, Pete as well qualified out of a thing. It's like the yeah. Canadians are really coming out of out of uh, out of the, the wintry north to show yeah, everyone what's up. We've arrived. It's about time. Yeah. This uh, uh, this season, you know, are you. Like, how, how are you, how did you, how, cause I know you're a very even keel guy. You like, you know, you let, you know, uh, water on the bridge, you let it slide off your back, but how did you have that process? What was that process of dealing with, you know, the disappointment of, of the 2019 games? Um, I think that to a certain degree, it was, it was easier to realize, to uh, accept it because we weren't really like alone. It's not like. I got screwed on something and I, you know, I, I had to like figure out or like I, I made a, I had a really bad year and I couldn't figure out what the problem was. Like I was pretty well prepared for the games last year. And I, and unfortunately I was very well prepared for the test that they actually programmed. Um, like the way my training leading up to it was, but you know, like you make some mistakes and that's competition, that's sports. You have to deal with that. Um, 
it made it a little bit of a softer blow because there were a lot of other athletes in the same boat. So I think to a certain degree, you can commiserate a little bit. Um, it's a long, it's a long haul training for the games and stuff. So it's frustrating when it doesn't go the way you want, especially when you don't even get to finish, right? Like you feel like you've still got a lot more to give. Um, so that's one thing that the cuts, I think left a lot of people feeling like, you know, you did your half that you're half done. Like you want, you had a lot more left and, uh, you didn't really get the chance to show it, but yeah, I think that after the games, it was frustrating. I mean, you have to take some time anyways. So I took some time off and chilled. And then the problem now is that the season restarts right away. So on the one hand, I was like not really ready to start training hard again. But on the other hand, it sort of wipes the slate clean right away. Um, I would say, you know, in the past, like, let's say you win the games. Then now it's like, whatever, you're the fittest guy on earth for the next like 10 months. Doesn't matter. Like, <laughs> But now, like you're you you carry your title for the next like one month, and then it's like people are already starting to recalculate and remeasure, and it's like there's really no downtime. Um, so there was a little bit of consolation in that, is it's like ah cool, so I'm like 16th, I'm like ah whatever, I can t- I can wear that for like a month, and then it's the open, and then it's fine. So it was tough to regroup and get back started, and and really you know find the will to to push hard in training again. So I took my time with that, but. The plan was to kind of, you know, take the rest of the summer off. I went to a couple weddings, like relaxed a bit. I was, I moved, so I was figuring out my move. And then I, I uh, probably a month before the open started, like getting myself back in proper shape. And I mean, the good news is you don't lose a lot of fitness between the games and one month after if you're like, I was still doing some group classes and things. So um, you pretty much just, the decision was to like ride out your games fitness until the open because you, then you can get your qualification done and then have no real stress until the games um, or until, you know, whatever you want to decide to stress yourself about. <laughs> but that way it was hard to try to come after the games and then say, OK, the games is over. It's been, you know, months of prep, but you still have to like ride it out and then and keep that fire lit for a bit. So that got hard. I think by the end of the open, at the best of times, you're fed up. And it's even worse when you've been like, you know, trying to ride peak fitness for like four months. <laughs> and then, you know, then the game, the open finishes and then was like, all right, you've got Dubai in like a month. So now just like hang on. And it was just this kind of like hang on, hang on, hang on. So now like after Dubai, it was nice. I got to take a bit of a break and relax and have the holidays and, and fully shut down for a bit. And then reset because the one thing about the way the system is now is I felt like there wasn't really a reset and it's self-inflicted. Like I, had I decided not to, you know, prioritize the open to the degree that I did or, or, or decide to do Dubai, like I could have taken a break earlier. So those are all just decisions that you can make individually to, to morph your season into whatever you want. Um, but, yeah, I think that a few of us were a little bit disenchanted after the open and it was we were looking forward to the reset for sure. I'm sure more than some other people were who maybe did extremely well at the games. So I think it's sort of we were looking forward to the chance to erase that. And, uh, and you know, it helps to wipe it out of your memory and, and wipe it out of like, I don't want to say like history is history, but like wipe it out of people's minds. Right. Um, and it was also it was reassuring and it was nice to be able to finish stuff, something like the open. Like uh, I think Brent's now will have earned his qualification through the open. Which yeah. is like Brent's not an open athlete. Like that's an, a great performance for him in the open. 
um, you know, Jeff finishing top five in the open and, and myself winning, like, you know, guys like that to just like finish and then say, okay, cool. Like I still, I still have it. Like, it's not, it wasn't that I wasn't fit or I wasn't whatever. Like it was like, you know, made some mistakes, things happen. Like it wasn't, I'm not, I'm not bad. It's like, yeah, I, yeah. I still can hang. I still can compete. Like we're good. Like this is still, let's keep this train rolling. So it's just like, it was good to kind of get a positive feeling in your head and be like, all right, like, yeah, it's good. I'm, I'm, I'm in shape. Was it worse to end up in 16th or worse that you had a camera crew following you around making a documentary throughout your season? Worse to finish in 16th. So you did, it, it was, you were like totally fine with the storyline that ended up with the all in. Yeah. I mean, that's the point is the like storylines are storylines and whether you like what they are or that you don't like, I think that that was an important story to tell. Like, I think that the, you know, had, let's say had everybody's favorite athletes made it through the top 10 and everything was all the same, um, then no one really cares. But I think it drew some attention to some, you know, small flaws in the system this year. I mean, it's the first year they do something new. Of course, it's going to be that way. But I think it just, it drew some attention to some areas where they're like, huh, like people scrutinize the system a little more than maybe they would have had, you know, Brent and I and Lucas Hugberg and guys like that not gotten eliminated. Um, so I think it was fine. Like, I don't mind telling that story. And I mean, it, whatever it makes, maybe it shapes up for a great comeback story. So who knows? But it, it's, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't think that that's a problem. My ego is not that big, but did, yeah, it did, sucked. Did you, uh, just change the subjects? You said, you know, a couple of people who did exceptionally well, the games, like the quick turnover, maybe, uh, you know, was something that they were hoping to avoid, but did you see, uh, Newbury, like broke his back and then did an Ironman in like 11 hours right after that or 10 hours right after that. Yeah. 10, 14. I, uh, yeah. So I'm actually pretty close with James because we both train with Michelle. And so I've been keeping in touch with him. Um, yeah, no, I know he had his bike accident, broke his back is a little bit <laughs> extreme. No, no, it was full spinal dude. It was full technically, spinal. <laughs> technically he broke his back, but he like, broke a piece <laughs> off of his like spinous processes, which is like as, if you're going to have a crash like that, that's the best case scenario. I'm glad that that's what happened. But um, and it's still no joke. Like, I think he was smart in the way he prepared. But I, he'd been planning to do that Oceana Ironman forever. Um, like when we were at the games before the games training, he was planning on doing it. He's had people training with him forever. And James is, you know, if you picked his his top three movements at the CrossFit Games, they'd be biking, running and swimming. Um, so he's exceptionally good at that stuff and he loves it. And like, that's why it's what he does as a hobby. But he, um, when he hurt himself, I, I sent him a message and said like, Hey man, like, I know you've been, you've been planning this for a long time and I know you want to do it, but I just don't, I like, don't be dumb about it. Um, cause I am b- bigger concern than his back was, I think he hurt his lung. He like, he like punctured one of his lungs, I think. Yeah. So I was like, Hey, look, like you need to not feel pressured to like start training again soon. Um, there's going to be another Ironman. Like it's fine. And he's like, yeah, I know. Like, we'll see. Because he was something like like six weeks out or something like that. Yeah. It was like – it was not a long time. Yeah, it was like Pete, It was like right at the end of the games and it was right when you have to be like adding in a ton more volume to make sure that you can, you can yeah, so get anyway, ready for this thing. He started uh, – I think he started swimming a bit first. He's a good swimmer and he was just like low, low intensity. It's low impact and he did that for a while. Um, I think swimming with his partner Kayla and then started biking and then started running last. Um, 
and then yeah he uh got back to good shape and yeah he he crushed the iron man which is incredible made all made crossfitters look really good oh for sure he did that 1014 is insane like i yeah. did a half iron man with my wife years ago i i didn't finish i got pulled off the bike course but i snuck back in to finish the run so oh. i basically was like I was like 15 or 16 miles short of a, of the bike to finishing the full half Ironman. Yeah, under and, the cap, yeah. Under the cap. And he finished faster than my time was for a half Ironman. So he went more than twice as fast <laughs> as no, I did. Legit, like, that's a legit time for an Ironman. Like, that's a legit time. His goal was to be uh, 11 hours. And he went, he went yeah, 10, 14 something. Um, but yeah, I know it's super, super impressive for him. Um, I, I know he, in his prep and then he did like a fast afterwards and he, I think he dropped like compared to his weight, like at the games, I think he dropped something like 20 pounds, 25 pounds. So he was like, he was light. And, uh, so now he's got to get back. He's starting to train again and he's getting back to shape to try to compete. I think at Aussie champs and something else. So we'll see, hopefully he can bounce back and get himself back in shape, but He's an I love James, interesting guy, but good. Hey, super fit, good for him. That was Seriously. incredible. I, I really like the um, you know we CrossFitters are in general not maybe the games games athletes, but in general it's always like I hate running. I don't want to run. I'm here like lift weights really fast and you know do muscle ups and shit. And then here comes James, who's like, yeah, I'm really good at those things, but what if I ran for, or what if I yeah. swam, biked, and ran for ten hours? <laughs> he's almost the opposite. Like he's he prefers the other stuff, and like he he tolerates the, you know, the weightlifting and everything like that. But he what he where he really excels is in all the endurance stuff. So, um, he's awesome. So I thought that was incredible. I I think um, I I also I what I enjoyed about the whole thing too is when he actually hurt himself. He was downhill biking and like obviously caught a bunch of shit from people being like, why would you be doing that? Da, da, da. Uh, and I respect him a lot. He's like, hey, look, the whole reason I stay in shape is so I can do things like this that I enjoy and I have fun doing. I'm not going to stop doing them because I'll hate CrossFit. It's like if I started not avoiding anything that could ever do anything wrong to me and then I, just so that I could stay in the gym and focus, I'd resent it so much. So he just like he put a statement out saying like, hey, like, yeah, I had I had an accident, but that's what it was. It was an accident. It's not a big deal. Like, I'll be fine. I'm not. Thankfully, I'm OK. But like, yeah, I'm not going to stop doing things like this. And I think that that's an awesome attitude. It was like it's a good I think we sometimes get caught up in the competitive side of things because our worlds revolve around competition. Um, so it's a good refresher for like, you know, general population that the whole point of maintaining your fitness is to allow you to do a lot of other things and open doors for all kinds of other endeavors. So I think it was actually, he like his whole, his whole journey there was like, I thought it was great. So sure. Definitely. And also his initial plan was to do, he wanted to do the CrossFit total before he did his Ironman and try to put like, I don't know, like a thousand pound total up and then do an Ironman in, in 11 hours was his initial plan. And I think he abandoned that because of the injury. Um, he didn't want to do the total now, but he still did the Ironman. I, I, uh, I, I understand that because you wouldn't want to start avoiding any of your like favorite activities because you can get hurt doing anything. I mean, look at Christoph. Christoph got hit by a car yeah. biking to biking to the gym like the last week of the open. Yeah, so, I'm sure he wasn't like doing a wheelie through a red light or something like that. <laughs> like, like things happen, and and I get like, you know, I get like avoiding or mitigating risk, right? 
you don't need to take unnecessary risks, but I think you have to accept the fact that life is full of risks. And like, you know, I went skiing over the holidays. Like I wasn't hucking cliffs like I might have done six, seven years ago. But like, yeah, I'll go bomb around and ski out of bounds a little bit. And like, it's fun. Like you have to do that and it, 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 it's good for you. Do you see, so with with James sort of using part of his season to do something that's way outside the realm of what would a you know competitive crossfitter would usually do, do you see yourself kind of using part of your season to to shift gears for a second on something like that? Or see, I would I would like to. I think that right now I don't have see like he's got another his hobby translates into another sport, right? So I don't really have that right now. Um, I don't know. I, I don't know if I could, I think it would be very good for me. It could probably good for my body and good for my mental health, but I don't know what I would do right now, honestly. Um, like other than like right now, I'm just, I just started work. So I'm like working again. So I, I mean, probably I'll start shifting my season. This year is kind of planned and it's going to be quite a busy competition season. But after that, like I'll probably just take more of my season to work and then spend a little bit less time hammering on my body. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I think that that's interesting. Cause it's, it's total, it's like, it's kind of like boomerang fitness, like where, you know, some people will get really out of shape and then they get really in shape and really out of shape. But he's like, he's just like taking his really in shape and moving it in different directions where he goes from being like super duper aerobic to then, okay, I've got to be strong again and I've got to be this and I've got to be that. And, um, I don't know if I could do that the way he's done it. I think it's made it's frankly exceptional. Like I don't think I don't think there's anybody else who could do what he did uh in the games field. Um which is awesome. Like he's he's sick. So that was sweet. So, you know, how how do you, you know, one of the things we talked about last year was that you were, you know, taking your final tests, your exams were over with and you'd have a little bit of a break going into the games at least. But uh you know, now you're starting working and Dr. Vellner, how are you going to be balancing, uh, balancing the workload of, you know, being a, a doctor and, and, you know, trying to train to keep your fitness at a, at an all time high. Well, the good news is that, um, the way work is for me, I'm an independent contractor. So I basically, I'm working like as much as I want. So I'm, I've just kind of built a schedule like right now I'm only working two days a week and I'll work like an eight hour day, two days a week and then I'll chill and I'll, I can, I can still train on those days. It's no problem. I'll train maybe a shorter day before or after and mostly working like afternoon to three evenings. So usually I'll train in the morning, but, uh, I might move to three days a week if I feel like I can do it. Um, probably this year I, I won't just because I, I have more competitions. Um, but that's what's kind of nice about it is as an adult now, uh, who's not in school, I can, I have flexibility and I have a certain amount of control over what I want to do. And so that's kind of nice is if you just don't, if I don't want to add a day of work, I just don't have to. And that's kind of the nature of the career and like the clinic I'm at and things like that. Um, it's not like working like a Monday to Friday, nine to five. Like I can, I can manage my own schedule the way that I want. Um, so, you know, if I decide I want to train in the mornings and then just work like a six or seven hour day, like don't take a break for seven hours and just like bomb through, like I can do that. And I just have to like 
let the clinic know, I'll adjust my hours, I put it out, and then it's good. So I think it will be it'll be different. I, I actually think it's gonna be great to not the last year has been, you know, it's been good. I've been fit, I've been good at CrossFit, but I think CrossFit's been taking up too much space in my life. Um and I just I don't know. I don't think I like that. <laughs> Honestly. I I need to like have something else to think about. It's it's weird. Like I don't like that like, you know, I I wake up and then when I have to go to the gym and then I come home and I'm like thinking about CrossFit stuff and tuning into everything CrossFit. Like I just need other things. And I've been trying to, you know, fill it. Like when I since I've before I started work, I was reading a lot and doing other things just to try to like flush myself out. Um but I think that I need something that allows me to step away and, and distance myself a little bit because um, it gets stressful. And I think that it's when you're any kind of a competitor at anything or when you're very serious or high level at anything, um, when you're focused on it, you're very focused on it. So it's if you don't have something that will that will immerse you and take your focus away, you'll always kind of think about it and dwell on it and have it in the back of your head. So when you don't have that um, – you just find that it takes up a lot of space and it's, and you're always thinking about it. And then, you know, every little thing that goes wrong or goes right or whatever is, is so amplified that it can, it can really affect you a lot. And I think that one of the ways I've been able to stay, you know, steady and even keeled over the last bunch of years is that I've had something else to do. And so, you know, if I have a really bad training day or, you know, a competition doesn't go well or this or that, like, you ha- you have to walk away from it like you don't have the choice like i can't keep thinking about that while i'm trying to do an assignment or while i'm in a class or while i'm in a test you have to move your move 100% away and focus on something else and i think that that's super healthy so whatever it is i just like i need something else that will like completely transplant me and and you know transport me to somewhere else um and i, I don't know it's not maybe that's not the same for everybody but i find that for myself so I know that. So I'm trying to just like fill that gap. So I think having somewhere where I can like I need to be focused because I can't be trying to help a patient and like how be thinking about like how much I'm going to snatch later in the day. You just like <laughs> can't do that. Like you need to be that's not fair to anybody. Right. So you need to be focused on the task at hand. And I think whatever it is, whatever gets you like immersed in the moment and immersed in the task at hand is kind of what you need. So I'm looking forward to that, like having something to sick my teeth into and use my brain a little differently because it's just like I've been just like thinking about too much CrossFit and I get it and I'm good at it and it's fine and like I know what I need to do so thinking about it for an extra like five hours doesn't do anything for me anymore anymore um maybe in the past when I had to like figure out a lot of new things but I think I'm at a point now where I don't need all that so I'm trying to just trim the fat is that why you got a puppy (laughs) to to get your mind off CrossFit yeah, he's right here, actually. He's being very good. <laughs> uh, he's being gooder than he's been in a long time. He knows. He knows it's very important. But yeah, no, definitely, though. Like, it's, and I don't know, it's it's been nice, but I, I, as well, like, with my fiance working a lot, like, she, she works as a family doctor, you know, like, I'm alone with the dog or, like, by myself for a lot of the day now. And it's like, yeah, if I've got nothing to keep me busy, it's not good. I'll just train a little longer or do whatever. And I don't necessarily think I'm doing better training. I just am like dragging my heels. So I don't know. I kind of need something to like bring me back to life and liven me up. And I think the change will be good. So this, the new year's got a bunch more, got doing a lot more new stuff. Got like puppy kindergarten starting today, started a pottery class. 
we got work starting. So anyway, it's real, a real renaissance man here. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's awesome. Well, uh, what are, what are some of the upcoming competitions you got now that, now that we talked about how you have to like sometimes not focus on CrossFit. Yeah. Let's yeah. talk about, let's talk about the competitive side of CrossFit again. So I've got, I'm going to be at Wadapalooza again, uh, at the end of February, try to go defend that title. And then I'm going to be at West coast classic at the end of March to compete there that'll be fun that one's a little closer now that i'm on the west coast and i think that'll be a pretty fun field uh, i know brent's going down there i think guys like sager and a few people a lot of the old west regional people i think will be back there so it, it looks like a fun way to like go compete in like an, a new regional kind yeah. of yeah so um that'll be cool that'll be a fun event and i've, I've heard great things with that venue um and then I've got Rogue at the start of May, and I think Decacomp is putting a team in for Madrid. So I might be in Madrid as well. So like, wow. so lots going on. And that, then is, that is a packed schedule, dude. I'll hibernate for a little while. See, that's the thing, and I got to work. But anyways, it'll be fine. I'll take a bit of time off. Yeah. Well. Um. All right. I appreciate. I appreciate your time talking to us, dude. Uh, it's my pleasure. What? What? Before I let you go, what types of books were you reading? Because I could give you some suggestions. I've been reading a lot last year. Oh, here, let me get my pen out. Like, uh, I'm always up for recommendations. The problem is my list gets longer before it gets shorter. You know. So I've been. What I've been doing is a lot of audiobooks. I got an Audible account. Okay. Um, See, so here's and, you know what sucks is that I like. I need to get over this, frankly, because it's stupid. But I like. I don't want to use audiobooks because I feel like it's cheating. It's like a shortcut, and you like shouldn't be allowed to do that. That's exactly why I do it. I know. It's like, I'm like, <laughs> this is like a cheat. Like you can't do that. Like, it's like, you don't get to do the enjoyment without the work. <laughs> I'm like, well, so it, most of the time I buy the physical copy as well. So I can, right. I can like listen to it while I read it. And oh, it kind of finger. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, double, exactly. Sound it out. Yeah. It's like, it helps you with the pronunciation. That's right. Exaggerated. There we go. Uh, <laughs> I actually just recently finished reading this hard sci-fi novel called Blind Sight, which is really, really cool to see. I saw that recently. Uh, it was uh, it was a Hugo Award finalist in the mid-2000s when it was published by Peter Watts. It's actually available for free. So if you want to read it, the PDF is uh, Creative Commons. So you can Man, just get it for like free. like an ad. Dude, it's it's really good. It's on my mind because I'm reading it. Or yeah, I just finished reading it. You the author, it. like the, the, the award lined up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Date. I got the whole thing for you. That was like, that was queued up. I feel like they should give you a kickback on that. Oh, yeah. I, I wish. That'd be legit. Peter, um, we giving you a call. Yeah, Peter. I expect I expect a p- very pleasant post-it. <laughs> um, let's see. What else did I read? I have all these books behind me. I read a sci-fi classic recently. I actually just read Dune. Oh, yeah? What'd you think? I actually really enjoyed it. There's uh I think there's a Dune movie coming out this year. Yeah, there is. They're readapting it. Um, and it's already it's, they've tried like two two times already. Yeah, there was the one with see. Sting. Forget who's in as a director, but he's, he's stud. So it's uh villain villain Nueve. Villanova. 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 Yeah, yeah. Villanova. Villanova. Yeah, the guy who did uh Blade Runner and yeah Prisoners yeah. So and all that stuff. Hopefully, it's good. It's that's a complicated book. It's a yeah. lot shit going on in there. dude they had uh they cast timothy chalamet as Dib, i think yeah uh have you seen the king on netflix yes i have i have never seen a timothy chalamet movie but he crushed it in that movie i thought he did yeah. really really well so i'm actually really excited to see dune when it comes out yeah me too so i read that recently i read i read a couple just like 
don't know. I try to switch between like one fiction and one uh, nonfiction just to like keep my brain healthy. I feel like it's good for me. Yeah. But when I'm traveling, I usually just pack a fiction book because it's easier to read. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, so I don't know. I'm reading. I, I'm like I'm reading a book called The Organized Mind right now, which is fine. It's dense. I read. I read all those. Um, like 21 lessons for the 21st century sapiens, all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. Read those. Dude, that book, that 21 lessons for 21st, 21st century got me kind of anxious, like yeah. more than a little anxious, I would say about what the future holds. And, uh, I don't know if I've seen anything that has, that has made that get better. Like, I feel <laughs> like it just raised my anxiety and stress level for the future up and then just left it there. You know, it's a good one. Uh, if you if if uh, maybe maybe not if you get anxious over that stuff. There's a book called The Next 100 Years. That's um, it's a it's a good book written kind of on the premise of like geopolitics and all that stuff. Guy who just makes kind of predictions of what sorts of things you could expect um, to see in the next 100 years, and it's very cool, very fascinating read. I was like, because all the reasoning is so sound that it's like, oof, you feel like you're reading history, but you're like, man, what? Love it. So, All right. For sure. I'll check that out. The next yeah, 100 it's years. Pretty cool. Um, I don't know. I read a Stephen King book called the Institute recently. That was a good fiction read. Uh, I've got a couple. I just got a couple for Christmas. Uh, I, I read, I read a book last year about, um, microdosing. It was called, oh, yeah. it's called stealing fire. You, you read a book. <laughs> you read, you read a book. <laughs> it's called stealing fire. It's really good. It's, it's good stuff. It's good stuff. Not like, uh, um, oh my goodness, Prometheus reference. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly what it is. So the, the entire thing is about, uh, you know, habit building and, um, you know, sort of like the practices around, uh, around improving performance. So they use like the Navy seals a lot as like an example. Um, but the, they take sort of the, the behaviors and the actions of really successful groups of people and communities and organizations. And then they see how you can improve that by, by, you know, microdosing. I guess. I don't know. It's like, it's like a combination of both. It's like a combination of like organizational analysis and success yeah. and like new wave, like, you know, let's use totally drugs to do this awful, for us. But imagine if you were on mushrooms, <laughs> you're like, Oh, that wouldn't be so bad. Yeah. It wouldn't be so bad. It wouldn't be so bad, but either way, I'll, I'll definitely check out that next hundred years. What I always find about some of those books is like in typically with like self-help books or like organization books or habit building things, I find I'm very rarely, I very rarely leave educated. Yeah, I agree. I've, I feel like I, I don't learn anything. I, it's just like it reinforces things that you already know and that are typically very obvious but the hard it's hard to practice those things. It's like how do you put that into practice? And if you're willing to do that, that's what's difficult. Knowing what to do is not hard. Sure. Doing the thing is the hard part. Yeah. So anyway, like I always find that like a lot of that is like it's like reading the same thing over and over and over. And I'm like, uh-huh. Like, yeah, I got it. Well, and so you could read a hundred of those books and still be told the same thing and still not do it. Cause nobody's gonna they can't the book doesn't do it for you, right? So I always find it like and I, and I think I'm someone who has pretty good habits, I like to think. So I, I don't know if it's just that like I look at this and I'm like, no, duh, and then I like throw it out. <laughs> I, I always find it's kind of funny and I, I always leave it being like, okay, so. I have a theory like, about set, this. You mean like set a goal, like build tangible steps, like, okay, yeah. Like that's I, how it, it works. I have a theory about this that most of those books, like 
the vast majority of those books are consumed not because people want to actually implement what it says, but because they want to have a little bit of like the endorphin kick of the reinforcement that like, I knew it. That's the way it should be. (laughs) And whether or not they're actually doing it is is like, that's a whole, they just, they just want someone, they want to read a book that tells them that they, they were right. I was right in saying that it should be good habits and good goals. Probably. I bet you're onto something. You're probably, that's probably very accurate. It's uh, it's human psychology, man. You just look yeah. for, you look for that, that positive reinforcement wherever you can, whether or not you're doing the thing. <laughs> I love it. But oh, either man. way, man, I appreciate your time. Likewise. Uh, good luck. I'll see you at, uh, I'll see you at Wadapalooza and West Coast Classic. So I'll be at both of those. Sweet. And Sweet. Uh, no I hope. Time. That's it's in like a, what? month and a half yeah it's not too far from it's about six weeks maybe seven oh. weeks between six weeks between now and and Wadapalooza, so there goes my break i feel yeah, like man. got back from the holidays and i was like more eggnog than man <laughs> I, gotta, I gotta fix that <laughs> dude welcome to my life i live yeah. that life on a regular basis yeah well it's gonna i don't be know good. how you do it then you don't get enough credit Oh, I, I don't have to worry about, you know, snatching 300 pounds or being able to make it to the cross. Someone actually messaged me recently. They were like, it was kind of this really aggressive, weird message on Insta on Facebook. I think they're like, why don't you compete at sanctionals, bro? And I was like, what? <laughs> Are you kidding me? <laughs> what type yeah. of question is that? But don't either worry, way, just, man. Yeah, I'm sure, you know, just don't worry about the DMs. No. No, none of it matters. None of it matters. Least of all that. Yeah. Anyway, thanks, dude. I'll let you get back to puppy puppy playtime and kindergarten. Yeah, I'm just making sure he's not taking a crap behind me here. <laughs> he's good, I think. Just scratching.